Right. We'll turn to Isaiah 55 and read it, our memory passage. Read it, and then we'll get back to chapter 21. Isaiah 55, beginning with verse 1, and we'll read the entire chapters we've been doing. Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, and he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me, hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Behold, I have given him for a witness to the people, a leader and commander to the people, Behold, thou shalt call a nation that thou knowest not, and nations that knew not thee shall run unto thee, because of the Lord thy God, and for the Holy One of Israel, for he hath glorified thee. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. For ye shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the fir tree, and instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. And trust the Lord will bless this passage to our hearts as we read through it each week. Wonderful passage. Salvation that's provided by God. Right, I'm back on page 584 in the material. A couple of things. Uh, Chapter 22 is in the room in there, so you can pick it up. I thought it would be there last Sunday, so some of you looked for it last Sunday, but it is there now, uh, so you can pick it up. That'll be where we go next after we finish chapter 21. So it's there. And then before I start, I want to back up and, and clarify something that I said last week um, because it, um, taken just at face value, was wrong. Uh, I mentioned last week when we were talking about the Sabbath day, and I, I mentioned you can't la- legislate morality. Well, in fact, you can, right? 
the criminal code, any law that makes it a penalty, a fine, uh, time in jail, whatever, is a legislation of morality. Okay? So, uh, when I said you can't legislate morality, uh, I should have known better, uh, especially in the field I'm in. But what I do want to know or, or note and, and what I intended, you can't change a heart by legislation, right? You can make people comply under the threat of penalty, but you can't change the heart. And when I said you can't legislate morality, that's what I was intending to, to bring across, is you can't, make, you can't change somebody's heart by putting a fine out there. You may make them think about it. The Lord might use it, but the law itself is not going to change their heart. And that came up, in, uh, especially in reference to some of what I was reading, and I think those will be there available as well. Now, you had the other packet, but I read something that was from an earlier time. In fact, uh, colonial days, probably, if I remember correctly. And it, it required everyone, everyone, to go to church. If you didn't go to church, you got fined, right? And uh, interesting, and I, I've, I've not looked at any of the, the legislative history uh, behind it, but it is interesting, I think, certainly something to take note of, that at least at one time, and especially, you know, we, we talk a lot about our, our country being a Christian country, being founded on Christian principles. Well, I think that's an indication that certainly there was quite an emphasis. Was everybody a Christian? No. But certainly there was an emphasis and an understanding that it did a soul good to go to church and hear the word of God. And it was so much so the, the, the mindset of the time that they codified it. They, they made a law that said, you need to do this. You've got to do this. So um, where we were and where we are as far as that goes. But I did want to clarify that statement because, again, we do. You know, if you can only go 35 in a certain area, you may think that you can handle 50 in that area without any trouble. But it's not left up to you. Uh, interesting, I, I will, I'll share this with you, and in one sense, it has something to do with what we're talking about. I heard just in one of the talk radio things, they were talking about, in one sense, in this very thing, they were talking about right and wrong. How do you determine what is right and what is wrong? And we have laws, it's what we're talking about, the, 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 the things that... that penalize people for doing something we've told them they shouldn't do. But how, you do, how do you determine it? And the interesting thing was, I think it was like 42% of the people they talked to, and this was a, a study conducted by some Christian college. I know nothing about them, so I, that was the term used out in Arizona, I think. But 42%... Of the people they interviewed said, well, it's whatever you think. 
whatever in your heart you think is right or wrong. And even among Christians, there was an equally great percent that responded that, how do you determine right and wrong? Well, it's whatever your heart tells you. Okay? So if my heart tells me that I should have something that's yours and I come take it, that makes it right. Right? Um, you know, it, obviously when you play that out to people, they say, oh, no, 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 no. You know, we, we shouldn't, if somebody thinks you should not live and they shoot you, is that wrong? Well, certainly it's wrong. Well, why? If in their heart they felt so wronged by you that you had done them such an injustice that may be under our criminal code worthy of a, 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 a death penalty. But they took matters in their own hand and took your life. Did they commit a crime? And the answer is yes. But if we leave it to their heart, if, if that's the standard, did they commit a crime? Maybe not. You know, in their eyes, certainly they didn't. So... Keeping the Sabbath day, all this, keeping the Sabbath day, fourth commandment, of the Ten Commandments, the moral law, the, the summary of the moral law, right, that we're bound by. God has given us our standard for right and wrong, Right? And that's the only standard that we have, that we can use, that we should use, is God's standard for what's right and wrong, including the Sabbath day, right? Some of the others are pretty obvious. Yeah, we shouldn't steal, we shouldn't kill people, right? We shouldn't commit adultery, we shouldn't covet, uh, we, we don't have any problems sometimes with those things. Bearing false witness, we believe it, but we don't act upon it a lot of sometimes. We, we, we still bear false witness in one way or another, as we've considered the ramifications of that. But the Lord's Day kind of is, is out there in a bit of a, give and take uh, it's kind of whatever I feel in my heart well what you do with the Lord's day is between you and the Lord I've said that before and I'll say it again but it's between you and the Lord based upon God's word right so you've got to make sure that at least you know what God's word says about it so you can make the right decisions as to how to use it Okay, so with that in mind, I'm on page 584, and I want to read, it's a short little paragraph, so I mean it's, I want to read it again, we've been dwelling on it and, and dealing with it, but I'm on question two on page 585 today, but let me read uh, 21.8, Westminster Confession, paragraph 21.8, this Sabbath is then kept holy unto the Lord, when men, after a due preparing of their hearts and ordering of their common affairs beforehand, we've talked about that, dealt with that with our question one, 
do not only observe in holy rest all the day from their own works, words, and thoughts about their worldly employments and recreations, but also are taken up the whole time in the public and private exercises of his worship and in the duties of necessity and mercy. Now, in keeping with that, I just want to go ahead before we get to our question two, because this question, the larger catechism question 117, is right in point with what I want to do with question two. How is the Sabbath or the Lord's Day to be sanctified? The Sabbath or Lord's Day is to be sanctified by an holy, H-O-L-Y, resting all the day, not only from such works as are at all times sinful, but even from such worldly employments and recreations as are on other days lawful, and making it our delight to spend the whole time, except so much of it as is to be taken up in the works of necessity and mercy, in the public and private exercises of God's worship, and to that end, we are to prepare our hearts and with such foresight, diligence, and moderation to dispose and seasonably dispatch our worldly business that we may be the more free and fit for the duties of that day. And we'll look at a couple more questions that continue with it. But now, to go back to my question, and I've changed it a little bit because I didn't like what I had, and I thought that this would be a little more appropriate. I've changed my question to what are things we can do to keep the Sabbath holy? What are things we can do to keep the Sabbath holy? Or, as our Catechism question puts it to, to uh, how is the Sabbath of the Lord's Day to be sanctified? So I want to look at some of the proof texts, uh, both for the confession and for that uh, question for the larger catechism. And I just practically speaking, what I want to do is just let us think, okay, I come to the Lord's Day. And we do 52 times a year. What do I do? Now, if you've grown up in a Christian home, you go to church, come home, have lunch, something in the afternoon, and then go to church in the evening if it's, you've been in an area where they have church twice on the Lord's Day. And, and that's, that's, in general, probably a Christian keeping of the Sabbath in most people's homes and minds. And certainly... That's, that's a good start. That's a good start. But what else? What else do we do with this day? The emphasis I think we can pick up here is that the entirety of this day belongs to the Lord. That is, we are to use it for Him. We have six days we use for us that He's given to us to use for what we want to do that's within what we should be doing. But six days are ours. The seventh day is his. So what can we do? What is it that, and, and I hope we think about this a little bit, what is it that we 
believe in our heart according to God's word, we can do to please God in the keeping of his day. Okay? Now, we start with remember uh, the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember it. We've talked about preparing for it. We've talked about setting things in order, getting our business and recreation and whatever else, getting it in order so that when we get to this day, we aren't trying to wrap up what we didn't get finished this past week or we aren't doing the things to prepare for the coming week. We're resting. The intermission we talked about. The time where, as it were, the world stops for us and we have a time that we spend with God. Okay? And you stop and you say, whoa, that would be nice. That'd be, that, would, that would be so refreshing to the soul and helpful to just stop and spend time with God. Well, that's what God says we're to do. Okay? That's what God says we're to do. And, and in general, preface, I'll bring you back to this, preface to the Ten Commandments. There are two things we've talked about that are touched on in that preface and they should be the as it were the cornerstones uh, that which will lead you in many ways to everything else and those two things the two things that relate to every one of us as believers God is first our what? He's our He's our God, but he's, he's, there are two, two, creator. He's our creator, right? God's our creator, and that's true for everybody, all mankind. It's our creator. And then for you and for me, those of us that know the Lord, it's our Savior, he's our, he's our deliverer, our redeemer, all right? That's where you can start every Lord's Day. That's where you can start in preparing for every Lord's Day. Thinking upon God, your creator, and God, your redeemer. And, of course, that leads you to everything you can just about imagine. God's power, the majesty, the beauty, what we see in creation, um, the magnificence of it, the wonder of it. We're fearfully and wonderfully made how God's made us, how God gave man a soul unlike anything else in his creation. Then you get to God's love, man's fall, man's sin, God's love in providing his son for our salvation. And, and you go on and on, God's love out of that. And that's mentioned a lot in Scripture, um, and, and some of these passages you would know, you probably wouldn't even have to turn to them. John 1, verse 3. And I just want to, how, how this truth comes out in many, many passages, but uh, just want to give you some of them. John 1, 3, all things, we're talking about Jesus Christ, all things were made by him. 
And without him was not anything made that was made. Right? Then you just stop and meditate on that for a while. And you can find similar language in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. All things, not only that original creation, but the powers that be, the thrones, the dominions, the people in charge, all of God's doing and under God's control. And you stop and think, settling your heart, you know, if you, if you listen or read much during the week, by the time you get to the end of the week, you, you, you almost feel a little helpless and hopeless if you let what you've been reading and hearing affect you. And it probably will to some degree. You start getting a little worried. You start, oh, man, what if, what if these people get in charge? What, what are they going to do? What's going to happen? Am I going to have a house in a year? Am I going to be locked up somewhere for what I believe, for what I say? If those thoughts aren't starting to come into your head, they will before long. So you get to the Lord's Day. And here's that push the world aside. Oh, God's in control of all this. That's right. I kind of forgot that. Kind of got distracted a little bit. God's got everything under control. Hebrews 1, uh, chap uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. And, and you may remember this. Preachers already preached on this in dealing with his sermons on Hebrews. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. He goes on, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. So we've got creation that aspect of it, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So there you've got creation and redemption joined together right there in that passage. The things that are pillars of what we use the Sabbath day to consider and to think about, to remember. God's power... God's position, his love for us. Then the next thing that I think are, are, is obvious from 
our um, knowledge of what took place in creation. Sabbath day is a day of rest. Day of rest. Uh, Exodus 16.23. You see there on page 584. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said tomorrow is the rest of the Holy Sabbath. The rest of the Holy Sabbath. Physical rest. Spiritual rest. Uh, you can look there. Um, again on page 584. The text uh, Exodus 16, 29 and 30. Uh, See for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath. Therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days. Abide ye every man his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Right? You've got the physical rest. You've got a spiritual rest. You see the bottom of page 584. You might pencil in if you want to add verse 14 to 13. I, I like them both. Uh, I think 14 continues the thought and finishes it for us. Uh, it says, If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. And to fill our conversation with the things of God, the word of God. Not speaking nor speaking thine own words, verse 14. Then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth. And feed thee with the inheritance of Jacob thy father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. You do these things, you come apart, then you'll delight yourself in the Lord. And the Lord, in turn, brings you up into those heavenly places, lets you ride, as it were, and rise above all the turmoil and the cares of the world. Now, that's easier said than done. Easier said than done. But certainly, resting, resting on the Lord's day, resting spiritually, resting physically, all right? And we can see in the, uh, well, I'll come to it in a little bit, but um, in, in the commandment itself, the, the aspect of rest. Now, I want to. We may even finish our time today on this one, but considering God's covenants. I want you to pay attention to what Scripture says the Lord's Day is, right? Because it's important. Um, And we'll see. we'll, We'll read the text about, you know, if I mention to you, if I say rainbow, as a believer, what comes to mind? Yeah, God's covenant not to destroy the earth again by flood. Okay? The rainbow is is a sign. And you and I, we see it. 
and I trust immediately it reminds us of the covenant that God has made. All right? Let's see what Scripture says about the Lord's Day. Um, if you turn to Exodus 31, I don't think all of this is there. There are parts of it, but if you turn to Exodus 31, and we'll start with verse 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbath ye shall keep, for it is a sign, just like the rainbow. It is a sign, all right, and we'll read the.
Well, it stopped. It's green now. But he'll bring another one. But the sign, right? The sign responding. And, and what I was saying, God noted that in the rainbow, when he saw it, he would remember his covenant. And it's, as it were, this Sabbath day is a day, perhaps, I don't think I'm stretching it to say it's a day when God thinks about his covenant to us and with us and for us as we are to think about that covenant and to rejoice in it. Right? So the covenant relationship. Redemption, our relationship. We've talked about question. Uh-huh. I'd have to look. I, I mean, the, the children of Israel had holy other particular days, and I'm sure those days set apart by God um, for them to, to remember to do certain things in re reference to him would have been included. We could say the plurality every Sabbath, so there are obviously numerous Sabbaths in a year um, or in a time frame. So... Um, Certainly, certainly, I, I, I wouldn't condemn someone if they felt on a given day. Fasting is a, is a day set apart by some people. They, they will set a day aside to fast. Now, that's between them and the Lord. But I think Scripture talks about if you do, you need to go through with what you say you're going to go through with. You don't fast and then decide, oops, something came up. Now, if it's unexpected, mercy and necessity, I think, kick in everywhere. But um, I, I, I don't know the, the exact answer as far as does this refer to just one. I'd have to, I'd have to look if somebody's got strongs on their... On their uh, Kind of one person has a Sabbath and another person has a Sabbath. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think God's making allowance for for Sabbaths that aren't Sabbaths. Okay, I, I don't. I don't. I don't think now. 
what those Sabbaths would be, you'd have to look at whatever the particular situation was. But, for example, we obviously have people who consider Saturday to be the Lord's Day. And, in fact, one of the laws that we read for a particular county said, now those who think Saturday is the day to be observed, we, they, they are, they're kind of exempt as to the next day. If they keep Saturday, they're somewhat exempt as to the, the Lord's Day and the keeping of it. So you've got those, and, and no, this wouldn't be saying that's because it's not unto the Lord. It's not according to his word, uh, as, as we understand his word to be. Right? Good. Good, good question. Anybody, any other thoughts on it? Paul? I checked a couple commentaries. It seems to refer to the recurring Sabbaths. Okay. So, so for the children of Israel, that could include a number of these, but for us, for us it does not. Days, days that the Lord has appointed, as it were. Yeah. So in, in this case, Sunday after Sunday, as we would say. Stephen? And the other thing that certainly comes to bear big time on it, and we'll close with this, is the fact that what is used as the marker for this Sabbath is the day God rested in creation, which was one day out of seven, right? So in keeping the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment, it's referenced, and it's referenced quite often, but uh, with, in conjunction with creation. So there was a specific day out of the seven as well. So, good. All right? All right, well, well, we'll finish next week just with things that we do or things that we, how we keep the Sabbath day holy. That, I hope that's a question that we're asking ourselves because that's what God has come in. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. How do I do that? What can and cannot I do? What should I do? Lord, help me to know how I keep the Sabbath day. Because that's what you've told me I am to do. And we get a pretty good idea here and have. But we'll consider some other things. And in our worship, you know, as we, as we worship, be thinking too. What is it? Here that's helping me keep the Sabbath holy. And obviously using God's word. The focus on Christ our Savior. Things pertaining to God. 
worship, all those things come into, into play. How do we keep the Sabbath day holy? Something we all must answer. We all must consider. We've got to. You have no choice. I have no choice. It's not an option. So how do I do it? All right, let's pray. Father, again, we are grateful for thy word and for this thy day. <coughs> we thank you, Lord, that you've given us this time. We thank you and we pray that you would help us to use it. Lord, help us to understand and then to make good use of it as you've intended, as you've, you've made it for our good, our, our help, Lord, our benefit. Lord, we want to reap those benefits. We want to make good use. So guide us by your spirit, we pray. Bless our time now, the next little bit of fellowship time and, and time here to worship thee. Lord, help us by thy spirit to worship thee aright. So be with us, we pray, for we ask it in Christ's name. Amen.